Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by the Pile of Bones Brewing Company. New tap room now open at Sass Drive in Cameron in Regina. Well, welcome to the Three Down Greencast. Uh, I'm Joel Gasson with John Fraser, and uh, there was a bit of confusion over the last week, at least temporarily, whether the Riders had clinched a home playoff game or not. And uh, yes. the answer has come down. Technically, it's no. So I've had some people asking, you know, well, you know, this weird scenario still has to happen that we'll get into. And I'm like, yes, you know, I understand that the odds of everything that needs to happen happening are very, very slim. But they still could, in theory, happen, so the league can't say they've clinched until all scenarios have been exhausted. So that's right. that's basically where we're at right now. So what needs to happen in order for the Riders not to host at least a Western semifinal in the next few weeks here is, number one, they need to lose to the Edmonton Eskimos in Edmonton this week. Mm-hmm. They need Winnipeg to defeat the Calgary Stampeders this week, which... Eh. Is starting to feel like a bit of a stretch after what we, you know, I think the Bombers shot their best shot at them last week and came up short. So, yeah, not really too hopeful there if you're Winnipeg hoping to get into a home playoff game. And then on top of that, the Riders have to lose again to Edmonton next week at home. Something they haven't done a lot against any team this year is lose at home, especially to a team that they're playing in back-to-back weeks and a team they're playing in back-to-back weeks that has absolutely nothing to play for and no motivation really to show anything different or anything exciting on film that the Montreal Alouettes could pick up on. And and already the most overrated team in the entire CFL through most of the season. So, no, I, I, I think you're right. But until our boy and our friend, friend of the program, Derek Taylor says, the math checks out, the Riders have clinched a home playoff game, I'm with you. It's 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 not time to say that they've clinched. Again, it's a virtual impossibility by this point. I I, I absolutely cannot see the team. I, I mean, these two games against Edmonton are going to almost be like preseason games for both these teams, right? You you just don't want anybody getting hurt. You don't want to put too much on tape. Um, uh, you and I are both surprised. I think that Trevor Harris has been activated for this week. I'm surprised that he's going to play this week i thought this this would be a you know last week of the season get him into the postseason mode kind of thing but yeah i mean it's glorified preseason at this point in the year with this this home and home and to see the riders though lose one of those or lose both of those games i'd be absolutely flabbergasted and and i can't see winnipeg with uh it looks like zach Kolaris is going to make the start which i i think gives them a better chance than a very 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 banged up chris strevler but i just i i i can't see it happening so like Everybody that has gone on and, like, purchased – and this was funny. I saw somebody respond to, I think, Derek Taylor on Twitter saying, well, the Riders have sold me home playoff tickets, so it must be happening, and you must be wrong, Derek. Um, they are, of course, going to sell home playoff game tickets because, you know, it is 99% chance. But this is the CFL, and sometimes you just don't know. No, and I mean, it makes sense to try, I mean, we in all likelihood they're going to clinch, and 
I mean, in today's day and age, there's really no reason why those tickets can't even really be on sooner. You're all buying them online. Right. They're all through a credit card. If for some reason it doesn't happen, it's pretty easy to refund. And season ticket holders then get to use the money for next year. So it's just, why not? There's there's no there's no arrogance to it. There's no reason to it. It's just, eh, might as well. I mean, what the worst comes to worst, we refund all this money anyway. So whatever, right? Well, exactly. And if I recall correctly, anybody that's a season ticket holder... That's already included in your season ticket package anyways. Yes, yes. And if they, the, the game isn't played, then that credit is applied to your account the following year. Exactly. So it's just it's just like guys that, you know, want to go ahead and, and buy playoff tickets, which at the recommendation of this podcast, you can go right ahead and do. Mm. And I'm really hoping that that isn't the ultimate Fraser jinx on this football team for the season. No, uh, it, uh, as, as bad as your takes are and the Fraser Jinx is real, um, I think Mike O'Shea will do his best to make sure it doesn't happen after he essentially cost them the game against the Calgary Stampeders last uh, week. Don't remind me, Joel. Don't, don't, don't. Your your summation of how bad his coaching decisions were down the stretch was just, I'm like, this is, like, it, like has the guy already signed the contract with the Toronto Argonauts or something? Because that's the only thing I could possibly <laughs> It was pretty bad. Um, uh, our boy John Hodge has done enough kind of breaking down what's happening uh, with the Blue Bombers there that we don't really need to get into that all too much as that's, that's probably enough hacking on them as we've, we've done enough of that over the last uh, number of weeks. Uh, before we get into the show, of course, today we're going to talk about uh, the Cody Fajardo extension, uh, what it means, kind of the, talk a little bit about what he was talking about as to why he signed the deal and Although he really said all the right things in that, so we'll get to that. Oh, yeah. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about um, Bajardo's MOP chances. I know that talk is really picking up around Saskatchewan right now. I think more so mainly for the team nominee, which I don't really disagree with, but I think there are some other contenders, and I'm not quite as gung-ho about it, and this is coming from a guy who doesn't have a vote, so really that doesn't, my opinion really doesn't all that matter much in the grand scheme of things. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the uh, beatdown of the BC Lions. Yes, it would end up being a close game, but as you, if you read my piece on Three Down Nation, you will uh, notice that I didn't necessarily agree that the score reflected that game. And we'll look a little bit ahead to the game against the Edmonton Eskimos, of course. But as always, uh, John, before we get to all that, um, you're finally enjoying a beer after a long day. Uh, what's in the glass this week? <laughs> well, uh, in the glass this week is... Possibly the best IPA out of Saskatchewan. I was super happy to see it. It's back. Black Bridge Brewery's Uno IPA. Mm -hmm. uh, it was one of those things you saw on social media. You're like, huh. So it's back. Fantastic. I have already gone through, I think, in the past. Oh, God. I think last Saturday I picked up uh, four. Picked up another four earlier this week. And I picked up another four today. <laughs> Um, it's, it's by far, if you like IPAs, uh, you need to treat yourself to the Uno IPA from Blackbridge, uh, definitely one of the absolute best local beers in the province and especially for an IPA. It's just, it's everything you want in an IPA done to damn near perfection. Yeah. It's, it's a single version of their double is basically how they describe it. And their double is delicious, so this, the Uno is very delicious as well. And, uh, it's funny, we almost did the thing where we picked the same beer because I was, <laughs> I was going to pick up a four pack of that. If something didn't happen, but um, today, today being uh, Wednesday, uh, Paul, who works at Rebellion Brewing, was uh, kind enough to drop off our order at happy hour in Pilot Yes. Food. And it included the order, the uh, two flats that I ordered of the new Night Viper! <laughs> it's Night Viper of the year. <laughs> what? The Night Viper. 
So it's there. They had that. They, oh yes. Then I vibrate every sidebar. Every time I see, I hear it, and I think of it. I think there should be like just a really bad, like badass, like guitar riff that plays with like Night Viper. I don't know. You know. Yes. Yes. With like your that. falsetto voice in there. That was that was fantastic. <laughs> I yelled at my curling team way too much last night to hit mm-hmm. that note, but okay. you hit it, and I am proud of you. And uh, I I think I saw Night Viper when I was picking up the Uno. Mm-hmm. Um, Tell me about it, Joel. I'm intrigued by Night Viper. You, you, you were close there on that one. Um, so the Night Viper, Not bad. they initially kind of teased it at the Cask Festival back in the spring. Remember the spring? Uh, yes. Anyway, so they, they initially teased it then because they did a small batch of it for the Cask Festival to uh, kind of work on a little bit and get the recipe going a little bit. Um, it is a milk stout, so it's on the dark mm. side. It is uh, 7.5%. It's a little stronger. It's a Mexican chocolate stout with chocolate, chilies, cinnamon, and vanilla. So you get a little bit of a spice on the back end, which is really nice in a stout every once in a while. So um, apparently it's sold like crazy. Um, So if it's not on your local private liquor store shelf yet, sorry, it's not going to be. From what I've heard, their their wholesale (laughs) batch is already completely gone. So uh, just keep an eye out where you can to find it because this is a, it's a beer we don't see too often around here. I know Bushwhacker does something with chilies every once in a while. And uh, Rebellion does do some of their one-off casts with a little chili every once in a while. But this is like a full batch. And uh, I also recommend letting it warm up before you drink it. I took it out of the fridge at about 40 minutes before we started recording tonight just to uh, really let the flavors uh, come out a little bit. So one of those stouts that you should almost like a traditional stout, like uh, like they would over across the pond. Let it, let it drink it while it's a uh, a little warmer rather than ice cold like most beers, right? Yeah, yeah. And there's a you can you can go around the internet, you can go out and Google. I know uh, Apex Predator Brewing, uh, formerly Bench Creek Brewing, out of Alberta. Fun fact: they're uh, one of their owners is originally from Pilot Butte, so they're local ish. Um, they put a nice little chart on actually like the good temperatures to drink different types of beer at. So every mm. type of beer has like the own its own sort of temperature. Now, no one's going to sit there with a thermometer and measure the temperature of their beer. You just kind of guesstimate kind of where it's at, and you can kind of tell by how you taste it. And uh, fun fact, the only one that basically should have been left at fridge temperature is what they call the domestic lager. So you can figure out what that means. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> yes. Everything Very else, interesting. Everything else from, you know, kind of went up a little bit in temperature depending on what it was. Well, that that makes sense because, as I've been nursing this Uno through uh, the first little bit of the podcast, if you couldn't tell, uh, voice is a bit beat up. Uh, conver- uh, again, curling last night, a bit of a fighting off the last remnants of a cold. Uh, it has been tastier as it has gotten slightly warmer. Yeah, so it warms up, and they're the, onto something. It warms up, and the flavors come out more for the vast majority. And that's how you really can tell a good beer, a really good beer. You can drink it like room temperature. It might not be, you know, it might not be the perfect temperature for it, but you can still drink it. If you find your sort of standard domestic light beer gets to that point, it tastes like trash, even oh, trashier oh, than you, trash. But then it doesn't remember, what it tastes like. Remember when Taylor Field, when it was still Taylor Field, only used to serve Pilsner on Labor Day? That was before my time. And oh God, I remember <laughs> going to a Labor Day game and like. Pilsner and I, listen, I'm not, like like you, I'm from Ontario, I don't get the thing with pill. I mean, don't get me wrong, I've drank a few Molson Canadians in my life, but and Labatt Blues, but with pill, I'll never forget, 
And of course, Labor Days, it's just hot and sweaty. And literally, I got like halfway through a can and I'm like, I, I can't. I just physically can't do this. So mm-hmm. things have gotten much better as the days have gone on. Although, you know, keeping beers cold this weekend won't be an issue at all. So I do look forward to that. Yeah, no, no, not a problem there at all. A man who can certainly afford a few more beers today is uh, Rough Riders quarterback Cody Fajardo, as he uh, did the expected and the eventuality was going to happen here, where they he signed the two-year extension with the team. Um, some fans maybe thought it would, should be a little longer, but uh, I think it struck the right balance, as uh, I wrote for Three Down Nation. And what really interested me most about the press conference was just how he hit every note that you would expect a guy in that situation to hit. He said all the right things. He talked about, you know, this is where he wanted to be all along once he figured out, once obviously he got the chance to start, and it was clear that this was going to be his team and the way everything went. It became pretty obvious that this is where he wanted to stay, even though he you know, he kept it up, uh, the appearances in the media a little bit, saying it's up to my agent, I don't really know what's going on. He knew what was going on, obviously. But right for me, it was just, it was a great deal, really, that, is a win for Cody Fajardo uh, outside of, you know, getting the, as Justin Dunk reported up to three times his salary, if he hits all his bonuses next year. So he can get, he can get that. So obviously that's a big win no matter what. Yeah. But he, you know, he gets a little stability in his life that he did not get before. He was bounced around all over the place since leaving college. So now he gets to settle down for somewhere for a while and he gets, you know, he gets to be somewhere he likes to be. He, you know, he really likes it here in Saskatchewan. He he loves that the fans really care about football. He he loves the community. He loves the blue collar aspect of Saskatchewan, and it was all just such a perfect fit, and it all worked out. And I think Jeremy O'Day hit it out of the park as well. Oh, one hundred percent, he did, Joel. I, I I think by they might have paid him a little bit more money to cut down the term. Um, but I, I, again, like I was talking to my father in law about this, and he's like, "Well, I hope they didn't overpay him." And I'm like, "Well." Yeah. I'm like, worst case scenario, I'm like, you've essentially negated, you know, what Zach Caleros was going to earn over the mm. next couple of years or whatever starting quarterback X would have made over the next couple of years, right? I mean, yeah. the key to success in the CFL it seems to be either, you know, have Bo Levi Mitchell or have a quarterback that makes, you know, around that half a million dollars kind of range. So mm-hmm. it, it's it's a win-win for everybody involved, you know. Uh Fajardo gets that, gets what he's been craving for so long. He gets some stability. The riders aren't overcommitting to him in a, you know, three or four year contract in case that, you know, this season he's been he's been good. He's been above average. He's been just shy of elite, I would say. But if the wheels fall off in the next couple of years, the riders are free and clear here, you know, within two seasons without any kind of cap ramifications. So it's a nice win win. And if in two years Cody Fajardo has has become an elite quarterback. Well, then the dude's going to get paid, and he's going to get paid by Saskatchewan. And, and and you and I have talked about this many times right here that especially in our, you know, doing what we used to do and, and reporting on a team on a daily basis and, and, and talking to guys and you, you just start to root for guys, the more Cody Fajardo talks, the more I'm like, yeah, he's a genuine dude. He genuinely wanted to be here. You know, he's genuinely loving his time as a Saskatchewan Rough Rider. And it was, it was, it, it's a good match, so... You know, everybody comes out winning. As you said, Jeremy O'Day has hit an absolute home run. A, signing this guy to be a backup, what was going to be a backup quarterback, and B, getting him at a very reasonable rate, at the going rate for starting quarterbacks in the CFL over the next two seasons when, 
let's face it, these are two seasons the writers definitely want to contend. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the money's interesting part to me on this one where I think Jeremy really got it right, where Cody's clearly been rewarded for what he's been able to do this year. But it's, it's not a backbreaker, and it, it feels weird to say it because there was a time not too long ago when Darian Durant got, like, that kind of money and was essentially the highest-paid quarterback in the league, at least on yeah. the books. I mean, we're sure there's some guys that were getting some stuff off the books, but regardless, um, that's just the way it was. And so, but the money shifted upward, where the elite quarterbacks now make 600-plus. So, yes. The fact, so, you know, Fajardo, for as good as he's been, and we'll get into this in a bit, he's not, he's not in that upper echelon yet. There's still some things he needs to do, and I, I believe he can get there, but he's not there yet. He's just, it's just the nature of being a first-year starter in this league, basically. But they've rewarded him, they've given him pretty good money, and he, he thought this was important, too, where he probably could have milked them for a little more money based on what he's done this year. He could have yes. gone to free agency and probably book, bumped it up to five, five fifty. But at the end of the day, he didn't feel it was a big enough of a difference to really be worth it because he wants to make sure there's still pieces in place around him to be successful. It's it's kind of Tom Brady-ish in a way. Obviously, yes. I'm not comparing the two quarterbacks by any stretch of the imagination, but it was it was a conscious decision on Fajardo's part where he says, okay, this is a number I'm happy with. We probably could have got higher, if you read between the lines, but he wanted to make sure the pieces were around him. So that obviously works for Jeremy O'Day, because as you said, they've effectively taken the money they were probably planning to give Zach Caleros and giving it to him instead. So it really doesn't change the cap structure for the team all that much for 2020 and 2021. No, most certainly. And as to it, I think Cody Fajardo is such a humble, down-to-earth, intelligent human being that he realizes that the success of this team, although he's been very good, he's been better than a lot of quarterbacks we've seen, mm -hmm. is not entirely because of him. It's because he has, we've talked about the stupid amounts of depth at, at the offensive line. We've talked about, you know, what William Powell has done, you know, in the backfield. And Cody Fajardo is a smart enough guy to go, okay, I can make good dough i can stay here in saskatchewan and, and i can keep this team around me that's made me successful so mm -hmm. it's it, it, you're right it's absolutely win-win and, and we all know too and i, I can tell you that you know when being around the the sports world and the charity community world i i can tell you that there are ways that saskatchewan rough riders make money that mm -hmm. is not oh, exactly yeah. cap circumvention it's not like he no. read handing guys to pay other guys but i can guarantee you that oh, he'll, you're going to see cody he, he he's already openly talked about wanting to be involved in the community and to me that speaks a little bit obviously i believe out of the goodness of his heart he wants to do this as well oh, he wants he to connect with this community which is a little rare in a quarterback considering how big the spotlight is on the quarterback in Saskatchewan we've yeah. seen a lot of them kind of shy away from that aspect a little bit but cody wants to do it but Doing that also helps him get paid more, which I'm sure he's quite cognizant of. Oh, oh, 100%. If you ever see these guys at a speaking engagement, I can tell you, I know this intimately from both sides of the business, both the guys that do the booking and the guys then being around the sports side of the business. Um, nobody's there for free. No. You, somebody is paying those guys to be. It might not be a substantial amount of money. No, but you, and I'm you not do saying, enough of them and it adds up. Well, and I'm not sitting here saying that it's a bad idea. I no, mean, to no, me, no, no. I, 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 I think a guy should be paid well for his time. These are dinners that are making tens to hundreds of thousands of dollars that, 
Yeah, absolutely. Guys deserve to be paid for their time. I'm a firm believer in that. And guys are making a bit of dough, you know, and I wouldn't be surprised. And you've already seen on the social media, Cody already thanking the guys at a, at a truck dealership down in Regina for helping them out. You know, there's ways that that money can disappear, too. And that's part of the perks of being a Saskatchewan Rough Rider, and, and and it's it's something that uh, when Saskatchewan finds a guy that fits, that buys into what they're doing, they have the ability to do it. You know, you take anybody else, all right, let's even take, say, Matt Nichols. I guarantee you Matt Nichols has a truck payment, probably isn't making that much in terms of appearance fees and things like that with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, you know, compared to a guy like Cody Fajardo, who's Going to make a bit of dough this offseason, you know, speaking and sharing his message. And the guy's a bright guy. He's a great – I'd love to hear him speak. I would pay I would pay money, and that's something for me to say. I'd pay money to go to an event that Cody Fajardo is speaking at. But I guarantee you Cody Fajardo don't have a truck payment, and he's probably driving a nice new set of wheels right now. And that's the joys of being a Saskatchewan. It's like when they talk about these hockey guys and talk about, oh, being in Toronto, you get these endorsements, blah, blah, blah. It's similar in Saskatchewan, and it's nice to see that a guy like that embracing that, taking advantage of that, which is going to allow the riders to keep the cap number down. Yeah, and I think ultimately when we're talking about the term, there isn't really a concern for me because I think we saw the exception this year being Mike Riley and Trevor Harris, but for the most part, right. even when these guys do hit the market, they generally don't move. The top names no. in this league are either extended or they're cut early. There's no usual... Some guys get around a little bit, but especially in this position. So they have the riders have the upper hand. They have the ability to negotiate with Cody Fajardo if things continue on the trajectory that we think over the next couple of years. So yes. in, even a year from now, we could be talking about, you know, they could just do the old John Huffnag over. They're pulling out a one-year extension out of the drawer every single year until he's done, basically. <laughs> right. And, and, and you're absolutely right. And... and, and... The term is right. The money's right. It's just everything. There's nothing about this contract that I don't like. No. And and, and, and again, I go back to it, and and, and I, I reference the conversations, especially now that my father-in-law lives in town. We're we're together quite often, and always talking football. And you know, and he and his only thing was he's like, what if he's you know, what if he's kind of a one-year wonder? And I said, you know what, this is a guy that that has learned from Travis Lule. This is a guy that has learned from Ricky Ray. This is a guy that spent some time in the CFL, learning and seeing some time and learning the game. I've said it before, and I will say it again. I don't think Cody Fajardo is a one-year wonder. I think he's on his way up, if anything. No, I don't think he's a one-year wonder either. But realistically, even if hypothetically he were to be, this is football. Your contract is not even worth the paper it's printed on. Oh, if it goes horrible, if it goes so horribly sideways next year, they cut him and move on. Like there's, there's nothing, there's nothing really that's locked them in through the end of 2021 on this. So, and I mean that's it has to go really bad for that to happen. I, I, I agree with you. I don't think it will. And I think it's because through his entrance into the CFL until now, Cody Fajardo has taken every step correctly. He's been he's yeah. been patient. He's taken. He took the third string job in Toronto. He took the third string job in BC. He signed in Saskatchewan just because he wanted a chance to be a backup. He wasn't even yes. coming here to say, I want to challenge Zach Caleros for the starting job, like some guys might have. He came in and just wanted to be a backup. Yeah. He just wanted a chance to have a chance, and it worked out for him better than he probably could have ever imagined because he got the chance, and now it's turned into this. 
He is the guy now. He has the stability in his life. And because he went about it the right way, he didn't push anything too hard. He didn't go above and beyond where he believes he is. He knew exactly what he was and where he was at this point in his career. And it worked out for him. And it was a stroke of luck for both him and Jeremy O'Day that this happened as good as it did. Because I think when we, you know, when everyone ourselves included when they announced that they signed Cody Fajardo we were all like (laughs) there's got to be someone else coming right and we talked about all these other names that could be the backup and he ended up being the backup and then I felt after he played one half of a preseason game and I saw enough in that game to say yeah this guy could be a starter for this team and sure enough here we are because your takes are always much better than mine and I'll be the first to admit it although I think we were both on the Fajardo train early Mm mm-hmm and I, I think that's something that we can both proud, proudly announce, right? So it, you're right. It's perfect. It's, it, it works for everybody. And, and it's just – I am genuinely happy for the dude. Mm-hmm. He's just likable. Yep. 100%. Like, like, like it, even little things like, you know, the, the, the corn dogs and the sprinkle of Jesus and the showing some real personality and even teaming up with the guys from the Piffles podcast to, to sell those Jesus sprinkle shirts with, with charity proceeds. Like, just like there's like nothing to dislike about the guy. And that's, that's huge. Like I, I was, when I saw they resigned him and I saw the number and saw everything, I'm like, this just, this is just Cody Fajardo. This just makes sense, right? He signs for a fair dollar for a little bit of term, and he's just so damn likable. Yeah, there's there's really, at this point, nothing to dislike about the guy personally or professionally on the football field. Is there things he can improve on? Sure, like he got, you know, he gets caught at times with tunnel vision and this and that, but all that stuff yeah. will come. All that stuff will come <laughs> with time. And if he continues to progress, then in two years, the Riders are in a spot where they're able to work around their cap to pay him that elite quarterback money if he gets to that point. Absolutely. Uh, so the question now has become, and it's kind of one that's taken over Saskatchewan a little bit in the uh, the news of the signing because he's in the news cycle. It makes sense. Is Cody Fajardo the Riders' MOP candidate? Mm. And there are some conversations about him being in the running for the league award overall. I don't know about that one, but... yeah. I don't know. I, I feel a little on the outside of this conversation, not only because I don't have a vote, but I'm not like I'm not saying he shouldn't be the MOP candidate for the team. I just don't know if 100% certainty he is like some people do. Is he and this comes down to and this is a discussion we had quite often on the green zone when I worked at Rocco and I'm sure Jamie and Glenn are still having it to this day of most outstanding player versus most valuable player. And right. if we're talking about most valuable player, then no question it is Cody Fajardo, hands down. You know, he should run away. He should win win in a landslide. There's no other option. Because without yes. him, this team is probably in the dumpster. Yes. But is he the most outstanding player for this team this year? I don't know. He's been a pretty outstanding player. He's been among the most outstanding players on the team. Until the last couple of games where the so-called best receiver in the league disappeared. I was leaning <laughs> towards Shaq Evans, but now I'm not. Um, it might be Fajardo just by default, but I don't know if I'm like, if I had to do like, the, if you're doing pick them on CFL where you put your confidence by percentage on who's going to win that game. If I was naming Fajardo my MOP, I would probably give him like 50, 60% of my vote. There's probably some other guys on the roster that I think deserve consideration as well. Yeah, no, I, and I would agree with that assessment. I think, uh... You're right. In, in terms of value to the team, 
this season would not be what it is without Cody Fajardo. And let's just, we both agree on that. Let's, let's, before anybody suggests that we don't feel like we are Cody Fajardo guys, mm-hmm. but I'm with you. He's not the most outstanding player. I, 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 I actually, I'd, I'd have him probably third or fourth hmm. if I had a vote. I don't know if I'd go that um, way, but... I, I, third maybe. I, I just think that, I think that Fajardo, you know, this is a weird season for quarterbacks in the CFL. And his numbers are good, but I feel like his numbers look overly inflated because of injuries to other starting quarterbacks. Like the guy might very well could lead the league in passing yards and not hit 4,000. And this is in a season in which Mike Riley took 10 games to figure it out in which Bo Levi Mitchell missed a good chunk of the season. Trevor Harris got hurt. You know, it just, it's, to me, there's still three other quarterbacks that I would take healthy before him, right? Yeah, the, the league conversation I get, but even just on a team level, but, he's probably the nominee, and I have no problem with that. But I'm not really 100% sold on him being, like, the runaway favorite for it. No, no. I, I If I was voting, my vote would be for William Powell. To be entirely honest, and this is a guy who's, you know, one fall forward away from being at a thousand yards and was at a thousand yards temporarily into the last play of that game last week. But I just William Powell to me, nobody's really talking about him and how good he's been so consistently through the season. Like he might be the quietest thousand yard, you know, running back in Saskatchewan history. At least because everyone, everyone's team. stuck on Fajardo and everyone's rightfully in love with him right now, so it makes sense. But I agree, he's been quiet. It's been quiet, and I think it's been kind of quiet at times because William Powell, Powell's numbers should probably be greater than they are, except for Stephen McAdoo going away from him at weird times. Yeah, well, and that's it. To still have a 1,000 yards in, in a McAdoo offense in which you just, like, it seems like Steve McAdoo is either let's run it or let's pass it. There's no real, like... 50-50 blend, it's either all in on one or all in on the other, so uh, you're right, I think his numbers should be significantly higher, and I, to me, it's William Powell, and, and past William Powell, and, and this is a guy we're talking about, you know, before the podcast that, mm-hmm. that, that you know, I, I think Cam Judge is a slam dunk for most outstanding Canadian on this team. Yeah, no question. He, to me, is a slam dunk for most outstanding defensive player. He, he probably should be. But people are going to get uh, people. The numbers will win out, and that's probably going to be Charleston Hughes. Well, that's it too. Like this, mm-hmm. the, these are nominees that are partially voted on by local media, and local media still in Saskatchewan, you know, still very much like numbers. Yep. You know, there's there, so there are. are the, some... I knew I do know some guy at the dig deeper, and uh, I respect that. Um, oh, I respect. And that. I, I, I don't. Th- and by for the for the record, I don't think Charleston Hughes is a bad choice per se. He's having a great year. No. He hasn't really had the. He's had a bit of a drop off in the second half, but not quite to the same degree we saw last year. Yeah, but but there's still there still hasn't been a game to me. When I think of most outstanding, you look at what Saskatchewan was missing without Cam Judge. Yeah. You know, sure. you take William Powell out of that lineup and allow teams to just, you know, pin their ears back and not have to worry about the run. And as much as I love Cody Fajardo and love Jesus Sprinkles, I love it. I think, you know, he would struggle in that situation. I think Cody Fajardo has been cushioned at this point in his career. 
He needs a good running back and a good offensive line. He's slowly becoming elite. I see him being elite by the end of this new contract, but mm-hmm. right now, so so to me, you look at the impact of Cam Judge. You look at the impact of William Powell, and and again, it's tough to argue. You and I are are, are deep film watch, you know, like go past the numbers kind of guys, but it's still tough to argue with Charleston Hughes, and that's why I say like, Pajardo to me is a solid three maybe four, depending on the last two games go here, for most outstanding player for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. He is, I don't think, and you and I are probably both outliers on this, but mm-hmm. I don't think in any stretch of the imagination that he should be a runaway for, for the nomination for this award. No, and I'll be interested to see, or if I can find out kind of how the vote breakdown goes for this one. And I, and we'll, I don't know if we'll... I'll have to ask around maybe a little bit after the vote too, because I know the vote is local media and the head coach gets a vote as well. So I would be interested to know who Craig Dickinson or whoever on the coaching staff makes that vote uh, will get yeah. to do. Because that, that's always an interesting one to find out afterwards, especially some of the other categories, because they often differ from kind of what the media is thinking a little bit. So yes. it would be it would be fun to find out on or off the record kind of where that vote fell, because I think that would paint a pretty good picture. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think it's probably going to be Fajardo. I, you, you've convinced me, on, convinced me on William Powell and... Uh, Depending on how this game goes on uh, Saturday against Edmonton, I, uh, I may steal that idea and write a column off it. Um. <laughs> hey, hey, man, you're way more credible than me. So, so you put that idea out there and start that momentum going, and I'll just, you know, while we're drinking beers in your at your house the next uh, all, all this weekend, I'll just be like, yeah, 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 I came up with that. I, <laughs> I mean, I, I would give you due credit for planting the idea in my head. Because I, I, I agree with you. I, I think William Powell is a guy who is very deserving of that. He's been, you know, quietly, he's been very outstanding. He's he's done everything as asked. I mean, you know, we can talk about, you go beyond the numbers, how many key blocks has this guy thrown? Like you oh, see, yeah. Oh, God, You yes. see it all the time, the, the blitzes he picks up and the, the chips he throws and everything he does outside of running the football. And he's actually, I think, in our, he's probably even been a better receiver than I think a lot of us probably thought coming into this season as well. By no means is he Andrew Harris in that regard. No. But he's been serviceable as a receiver as well. So that's been important for Cody Fajardo. And I think I'm with you. I don't know if I'm there on Judge and Hughes. I think Fajardo's probably two in my books. It's because I think it's it's gonna it would be difficult in my mind to give Judge Canadian defensive and MOP. Like he's been good, but I don't know if he's been that good. You know, right. to, to be a three-time award winner for the team. Because um, I, I do believe he should be the nominee over Hughes, but he probably won't be. But regardless, because we saw it last week against B, the BC, the difference he made in that game appearing was just, it was night and day. And that was, it was just, it was just night and day how good Cam Judge was in that game. And I wrote about it on in my piece on Three Down Nation saying, this guy is he is one of the guys on this defense and he's one of the guys on defense in the league right now in my opinion yeah and and, and you're absolutely right and that's why that's why to me i have i definitely have powell for sure mm-hmm. and i have judge ahead of fajardo i i stuck i I, I do struggle putting charleston hughes ahead of fajardo mm-hmm. um like i said he's a definitely a three somebody might be able to salesman salesman me into charleston hughes and and that's no slight to charleston hughes but uh yeah no it's just the impact that cam judge has to me in such an essential position in a ratio breaking position that's why like to me i know it sounds like a lot to nominate him for like but but who else is there for most of the canadian 
Well, for Canadian, there's no one else. Maybe you can maybe go some. You can maybe go with like a Dakota Shepley or something, like someone along the offensive line. That's the only other thought. There's right? an option and, there. But that's that's always so tough to to, to pick an offensive lineman mm-hmm. from most outstanding Canadian, right? When you have another guy that's in a ratio busting position, yeah, no, and I'm doing sure. the things he's doing, right? So, I, I think to me, I don't think it's a stretch to put Cam Judge up for all three. It's a bit of a stretch, but uh, it's not I, I think... a stretch. Maybe isn't the right word. I just don't know if he's been like that good that he's worthy of being. If he's not, yeah, yeah, it's, I just have a hard time giving him all three. Because like to, to me, I, all three. Though... When one guy gets all three, to me that means he's having like a ridiculously historic season, or he's just a good yes. player on a horrific team, and neither of those things are really happening for Cam Judge. No, you're absolutely right. And the thing that I'm interested to see too, with the uh, as media outlets continue to 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 slim down their um, their staff mm-hmm. and the people who are actually covering the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, I think if you look at the guy whole right now, guys, guys and women, I I, I can't forget about Claire Hanna. They're very intelligent media people. Mm-hmm. Well, we're for, not we're, for sure. We're not disparaging the local media at all on this one. Exactly. No, and I think if anything, you know, some of the some of the slimming down of newsrooms has removed those those guys that you know even five years ago would have a vote and would just look at the stats and go, yeah, that guy, right? I, I think now, I mean, you look at the the core people covering the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and you look at Vanstone and McCormick and Taylor, and Nye, and Hannah. And if mm-hmm. you ever get a chance to talk football or sports with any one of those people, abso-frickin-lutely take advantage of it, right? Yeah. I, 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 think, I think in a market like Saskatchewan, the media that vote on this thing are far more, they, they take it far more seriously, and I think they look into it a lot more than some people in other markets, especially out east, where right. they are pulled in so many different directions, where they cover their CFL for their outlet, but they're also doing this and this and that and that and that. They So they kind of watch their team, but they don't really look at the whole big picture of the league quite so much. And there's a few guys that do, like a guy like Shinetti, I would trust his vote no matter where he fell in least. I don't know kind of right. like home market he falls in technically, but you know, something like that, those kinds of guys I trust. But overall, if you look at some of the other markets, it's not quite the same because you know local sports reporters in Saskatchewan – you're covering the riders. You've basically reached the top of the mountain in this market, so that's where you're going to draw yes. the best of the best, and that's where most of the attention is going to go. So I think that's why voting in this market is very different and very interesting compared to kind of what goes on basically anywhere else across the country. Well, and, and that's what gives me hope that a guy like like Cam Judge, who has good stats but is more Im- impactful to the team, will see the love and, and see the nominations for you know what what we're talking about in terms of defensive and Canadian player of the year. And I think that'll more closely align with the coaches are picking than what, you know, maybe some, you know, third, fourth option that, you know, just has a ton of bad takes on Twitter that somehow has a vote because he occasionally hosts a sports sports news talk, but doesn't know his ass from a hole in the ground, you know, that will have more value than say his vote and cancel it out. Yeah. And so since we're on this conversation, I didn't really want to get into all of them quite so much. I think a lot, a lot of them are kind of, Set in stone, we know it's probably going to be Fajardo for MOP, despite what we might think. It's pro- yeah, likely, unless you start my grassroots movement to make William Powell the MOP. Uh, I might. We'll, we'll, I'm, I'm leaning towards doing that here at some point soon. Um, defensives going to be Cam Judge or Charleston Hughes. I don't really think there's another option there. Okay, Canadian, both of them. Canadian is going to be Judge. 
Uh, rookie is going to be Dakota Shepley. It's a pretty sad list otherwise on there. Um, yes. So the the only real interesting one to me, who where it's going to fall, and I think this is this is going to be a really split vote. And I had this conversation a little bit with a friend of the show, CBC's Dan Plaster, um, the other day. Special teams. Right. Because they've been okay in coverage at times. The return game has essentially disappeared since they've traded Christian Jones, which is a whole other topic of conversation for another day, I think, at this point. That was a terrible trade. Terrible trade. Yeah, ended up not being Jeremy O'Day's best move. Because um, I think Marcus Thigpen is done, and they don't put Pierre Foy back there enough because he plays defense as well. Yes. Um, Brett Lowther's been good, but he hasn't been like automatic like he was last year. You could probably go with him, but it's not quite as... Well, yeah, that's obvious, as it was last year. John Ryan, yeah, he's leading the league in average punt, blah, 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 blah. But he's he's had his issues as well. So he brought up the name Alexander Gagne as the leading special teams tackler. As kind of a, this is where I'm at right now because, because of everything we talked about with special teams. Yeah. And I kind of thought about it. It's never as... I doubt it's actually going to happen because... They'll someone enough people will either fall in love with John Ryan's net or they'll fall in love with, or they'll just default to Brett Lowther because he's been good but he hasn't been elite because weirdly kicking field goal kicking hasn't really been a story in the CFL this year. No, no, you're right. Everybody's kind of down this year. Nobody's like super like the guys that are good are good, but no one's been like atrociously <laughs> bad. So Brett Lowther kind of falls down the rankings a little bit on that, but his numbers have still been pretty good this year. Yeah, yeah. Even being bad, you're 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 like ten years ago Hall of Fame worthy. Mm-hmm. So no, who do you go? Who do you go with on special teams? I'm kind of with Plaster on this one. Uh, on Gagne, I think if you watch the chaos and you actually like take the time, and you never see it on TV. No, and this is not a slight against TV, but if you go to a game, any game at any level. And you watch the absolute chaos that is the coverage guys trying to get downfield and avoiding blocks and just the absolute athleticism it takes to basically just run your ass off as fast as you can towards where that ball is going. I take Gagne. That would be my vote. And and again, I haven't I haven't physically been in the game, so I'm I'm probably I'm 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 relying off of stats. A lot, but if a guy can consistently, the one thing I've learned from from calling football at the junior level and and, and at the youth sport level, being a sideline reporter and being to professional games, it's it's not an easy job to get down the field like like some of these guys do. So no. you're you're right. Nobody has been. I do think in my heart of hearts, I think Ryan will end up winning out. He, he he's there's there is a section of people in this province that universally love him, and even though. He has had some flaws this year, and he hasn't been perfect. Like we, we banged on him a little bit on this podcast just because, quite frankly, I don't usually do this, but it gets a little bit of reaction out of people, so I enjoy doing it. No, but, you're right. I, but, but I also do stand by what I say about him at times, but it's 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 mostly been nitpicking. It's not like I've really been that down on John Ryan's game this year. There's some things I think there are times where they probably should have. He needed to be a little better at directional punting at times. Um, but but at the end of the day, he can kick the sh- he can kick the shit out of a football. Oh no question, no question. Like he can absolutely pound that thing. And 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 again, we talk about likable people. Him and his wife, extremely likable people. That will probably you know the vote sways that way when the, when the media is involved. 
you know, rightfully or wrongfully so. Guys that are likable and accessible and good to talk to that don't just give you the same generic bullshit every single interview are going to get votes because you're drawn towards those guys, right? So I think it'll I think it will be John Ryan. And again, the guy kicks the piss out of the football, but just just watching it and, and, and being at that sideline level and being at that play-by-play level where you can see what these guys go through on coverage units to so consistently get downfield and 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 get special teams tackles is such a difficult job to do that you don't get to appreciate while watching on TV or or even and and again DT does a great job of giving DT and Luke do a great job of giving everybody love on the radio mm-hmm. but it's not something you pick up on TV it's not something you pick up on the radio it's something you have to watch right so at the end of the day yeah my vote probably for the for the leading tackler cuz that that's that, that's a shitty and tough job to do Absolutely. So we're, I'm going to spring one last award on you. We're going to make a, like a, in the tunnel did on RodPeterson.com where they made up a couple of awards, which I agree with. I'm going to make up one as well here on the spot here to end the program. John, um, your worst take of the year, which do you think it was? <laughs> oh, shit. I've had some bad ones. Do you want to remind me of some of them right now, Joel? Oh, God. I don't see. I don't have anything that stands out with Johnny Manziel this year. <laughs> no, no. So oh in in some God. way you've improved a little bit. I have improved. I have improved a little back. Did I not say the Ryder season was over when Calaris went down? Probably. That would be more specific.